This episode of True Sex and Wild Love is sponsored by Sweet Vibrations. Sweet Vibrations, exactly what it sounds like. Beautiful, waterproof, pretty, brightly colored sex toys for a very good time. Like I said, waterproof, rechargeable. They come with a discreet travel case. You get the USB charging cable and wall plug. There is a lifetime warranty. They're all less than $50. How can you say no? I don't know. I mean, it's actually crazy that they're less than $50. Let me tell you that. But this I absolutely love it. lattes. It really is. And w- my favorite one, just in case anyone's wondering, my favorite one is the tulips because I've never seen anything like this. And let me I, it's such a sweet, sweet, sweet time. Visit sweetvibes.toys and use our promo code at checkout, which is wild, wild love. love. And you get 15% off. You're welcome. In this episode, we had the opportunity to sit down with John Romaniello and his partner, Amanda Bucci, who are great friends of ours. They come, they came to our event in Austin, and they just recently made a post about their unconventional polyamorous relationship. And we talk about some of the positives of that and what has been challenging surrounding that, which is fun for me because being able to talk to somebody who's just now opening up into an unconventional relationship really they're putting out a new message. And you're going to love their coming out story when you have a listen and probably feel very inspired by it. We got into some deep, heavy stuff with John and Amanda. And so be sure to check out the show notes about how to support a friend or yourself if you're thinking about suicide. It does feel like that when you're announcing a very unconventional way of life to everyone in the world and seeing the human reaction yeah yeah, yeah. such like a my platform was built on fitness so it's very like for the most part like as i've grown obviously like they've grown too but in the beginning it was very like mass market so it's like interesting to see who's there and what they were saying it's like wow People have really crazy ideas about what like love is and what love isn't and all the questions. It was so interesting. What surprised you the most about the reaction that you got? Um, let me see. I think that uh, I forget. Let me see. Um, I definitely expected like all the projection of like, I couldn't do that. Or like, if this were me, you're like, what about this? And it's like very clearly like their own, like putting themselves in the situation and then trying to figure it out. Right. I think, um, a lot of like anger, I guess, which is so interesting. Yeah, like get mad at me because my relationship has nothing to do with you. <laughs> Sit down. Because I'm Sit telling. Down. Yeah. I think down. people always take it as you're telling them that monogamy is bad, yeah. which is not what you're doing. Do you mind, Amanda, reading yeah. um, for our listeners sure. what you wrote here on your um, blog post when you came out as polyamorous, <laughs> which by the way, people need to read the whole thing because it's a beautiful, complicated love poem. Thank you in very a way, much. Yeah. To yourself and to John. It, it was. It was beautiful. I um I remember writing it and I was going to write it as more of like a love post and I was like, maybe I should set some context. And then I was like, they have no context. So I have to like write this really long thing to like give all of the context. But um, this part says... Falling in love felt like I had finally made it home. So here I was, fully in love, yet fully aware of the fact that I was stepping into the unknown of how the hell to be in a new relationship with someone who was in a relationship with someone else. Loving him was not easy. The relationship, loving him was easy. The relationship was not. 
Polyamory was a completely new concept for me to understand, especially without having had any prior experience, but I was most certainly intrigued and ready to learn. I said to myself, all right, let's figure out how to do this whole love someone who's dating someone else across the country and seeing if you can handle it thing. <laughs> I'm not one to turn down some turn something down just because it seems challenging. Little did I know, challenging was an understatement. Challenging was an understatement. I can, t- yep. <laughs> can I get an amen? <laughs> um, so I I want to go to y'all's story and how this start, started because it's falling in love with somebody who was already in an, another relationship. And so kind of talk us through how that happened for you guys. Sure, you want to begin? No, you begin. <laughs> Amanda and I originally met through, uh, in a professional capacity, we had a lot of mutual friends in uh, the entrepreneurial space. And because we had both started in fitness, it seemed absolutely mind boggling to them that we did not have some sort of existent friendship. And so in the space of about two weeks, four or five people reached out to each of us saying, how do you not know Bucci? How do you not know Roman? And then we were, we were introduced to one another and then got coffee over here in Venice. Um, this is about two and a half years ago mm-hmm. at this point. We were like in ground zero of your love affair, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> we entered into that in a completely professional capacity. She was in a relationship with someone else. I was at the tail end of my marriage. And um, we just had a, a very nice coffee date and it was just a pro- totally professional connection. And we really didn't have a ton of contact after that. We were in different sort of continents on in, in the same world. And uh, as we each developed further in our journey in terms of the professional aspect, going deeper into business coaching, those continents drifted closer together. And at one point I asked her to come speak at, at my uh, my mastermind. And it was just, everything was absolutely completely professional. And we were uh, existing in our other relationship. She, the one that she had been in had ended, and then she was in two more. And we were just on each other's radars. And then I think it was probably a July of last year, uh, the conversation just shifted in terms of depth and not getting really uh, sexual or romantic in any way, just getting deeper in terms of friendship and understanding one another. And then... Uh, as we began to ask each other certain questions in terms of uh, experience of life and music and art and the things that caught our interest, I think from there, whatever nascent germ of attraction felt safe to bloom. And in one of our conversations about polyamory, Amanda had been very curious and I was just sort of explaining the relationship setup. Your marriage was polyamorous? No, it was no. not. No, my oh, okay. marriage was monogamous okay. in name and I was rampantly cheating on my wife. And, okay. and that is something of which I'm, I'm not proud about. Neither do I feel compelled to hide. It was, uh, you know, it's been a long journey for me to be able to admit that openly. So the marriage had ended in large part because of that and because my ex-wife deserved so much better than I gave her. Um, but at this point later, I had been at that time was in a relationship and open relationship, openly uh, polyamorous relationship with a woman. And, um, you know, I had spent the past two years doing a lot of deep work and and um, moving past a lot of the, the guilt and the shame. And the aspects of myself that I think are the best had begun to like really emerge and be more 
uh, evident in my day-to-day interaction. I think these are the things that attracted Amanda. And in our conversation about Polly and the way that I had been able to move past a lot of that stuff, um, it just sort of caught her attention and she was curious. Mm -hmm. And I think that from there, it just became a series of question and answer. And then- I love the way it was such a slow Mm -hmm, germination, like, you know, sometimes you hear yeah. people tell their story and it was just like, boom, right? I love well, how you guys are, it was just the way professional. That, yeah. The way that we both like, understand it is that I don't think either of us would have been ready in the initial stages when we first uh, met. Right. Like I had to have every experience I had relationally and personally and professionally before I was even prepared for this experience. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he had to have the same healing and learning and growth experiences he had to have to for us to be able to like really come together. Like after the fact, we kind of realized that. So on my end, like as he was going through all of his relationship stuff, I was in a relationship that was good, but there was no contrast. So we never fought. Like we were pretty much Mm. the same person. And I had this experience where I was like, oh, this feels perfect, but it's not creating any growth at all. And I realized that that was not something I wanted. And from there, I got a polar opposite person who was creating a lot of fast growth. And I had this like almost spiritual awakening experience where I was realizing because he was a mirror for the first time, I really had someone that was like bringing up a lot of my shit and I was realizing what my stuff was and a couple other people thereafter, I was like learning and experiencing different types of relationships and okay, here's what I want with this. Here's where I'm like really not fucking good at this whole thing. Here's what I need to work on. Here's what this person brought to the table that I'm learning that I want. And then eventually I got to a point where those couple of relationships after the long one had ended and I was like, what's next universe? Like bring me the next challenge. You asked for a challenge (laughs) and you got it. I did. Okay. Can we just talk John for a minute about, I love how you just said, you know, that your ex-wife deserved better than you call it cheating. Um, Did you, I, it's so interesting how you worked that through. And then it sounds like it set the groundwork for the next relationships that you didn't want to do that anymore. What was the experience of cheating? I don't even like the term, but I like to respect the terms that people like to use and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, What was the experience like for you that made you want to change it? My ex-wife is one of the smartest and most amazing people that I have ever had the honor to meet. And I, I think that this is true for a lot of people, but certainly for me, when I look back at the landscape of my life, it becomes very apparent that the vast majority of the lessons that I learned and the experiences I had to become or to set my feet on the path to becoming the man that I want to be, those lessons came at the expense of people who had the misfortune or the predestination to be around me when I was in a a phase of learning them. And uh, I hurt a lot of people directly and indirectly. And just, you know, like she was in the blast radius. I had not processed my history of childhood sexual abuse. I wasn't even aware of it for a long time. And I had this history of acting out in relationships. And in the the plant medicine work I've done and in the therapeutic work I've done, a lot of it becomes very apparent and very obvious. Like I simply did not know how to exist without a wound. And so I needed to create something. And there was also a lot of stuff around 
feeling unworthy and and just not feeling lovable or or that I could be loved and giving people a reason not to love me, sabotaging relationships, giving people a reason to hate me so that I could see my own self-loathing reflected in the eyes of the people who love me. And um, that pattern played out in a number of relationships. I have also since come to regard both monogamy and polyamory as sexual orientations existing on a spectrum, much like mm. heterosexuality and homosexuality. And I realized that I've always been oriented more toward polyamory. And mm. in every relationship that I've ever had, there was always a secondary emotional input. I'd be dating one woman, but this woman is like my best friend and we go shopping and we go to the movies. And, and most of the time that was not sexual. And this is going back through high school. But having those two things existing at the same time was always what made me the happiest. Mm. And uh, my ex and I had very different ideas about that in terms of propriety mm -hmm. and a number of other other things. And I, I don't want to say that the, the um, marriage played out negatively mm -hmm. merely because of the uh, difference in alignment, but it was the difference in alignment and my lack of awareness and my lack of ability to have these conversations. I didn't have the tool set or the awareness of what the problems really were. And for me, I think a big a big point of awareness for me was uh, my, there was this moment where we had been recently married and everything was like perfect. She was, she was amazing. She was an amazing wife, amazing mother, amazing human. And I was so deeply unhappy that I just looked for any reason to ruin it. And I wound up having an affair with another woman. And um, there was like, right after uh, my first sexual interaction with that person, um, I wound up having a suicide attempt and didn't tell anyone in my life after it had it had uh, failed, and it that it just led to a number of uh, really self destructive decisions and and you know when I when I look at the the marriage as a whole it was a series of incredibly selfish decisions made by someone who needed to hurt themselves and and in doing so hurt the people around them and so you know although I am. Uh, like you, I don't love the term cheating. I, I do believe that there is you such a thing as it. well, it's it's a breach of trust. You know, it was not the agreement that we entered into, and there is a lot of um, there's a lot of pain around that decision. I'm trying to you know like really avoid using terms like shame, mm -hmm. but for me, it was very much you know nobody nobody gets married to get divorced. I did not stand up in front of all my friends and family and <laughs> right. and have this expensive extravagant wedding where we said these beautiful vows. To then six months later be like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like, and here meaning earth, because I was so deeply unhappy. Uh. And I I don't blame her for any of that unhappiness. It was really uh had I had I done even one tenth of the work at that point that I have done to this point, I think that things would have played out very differently. And perhaps we never would have gotten married, we would have had a deep friendship. And it is uh a there's this interesting nexus of conflict internally, even now, where I want to say uh, I would have loved to have avoided those things, but also this awareness that without those things having happened, I wouldn't have been able to reach my stage of development. I mean, it's part of who you are. It sets the groundwork for everything you do. You know what I was thinking of as you were talking, John? It's just such a, and thank you for sharing those things with us. They're so big and important, sexual abuse 
suicidal ideation, trying, wanting love, but repeating a pattern. I think so many people can be so set free when they hear you talk about it openly. But I was thinking about how when we come to relationships, there's so, you know, there's so much more than the relationship with the other person that sometimes a relationship working feels like a real miracle. Yeah. Well, it's not like, two look, people. This is happening. Yeah, it's yeah. not two people coming completely clean and in full awareness right. of all of their emotional yeah. trauma and baggage and like, here's me and I've worked through it all. Right. It's like, no, that's not happening. Like, we're coming with wow. all of our shit mm-hmm. and it's just like, how are we going to grow together through this and how do yeah. we make this happen? Right. You bring this whole, you're like this palimpsest. You have th- hundreds of layers. <laughs> you bring it to the other person's hundreds of layers. And again, it's like, wait, is this actually working? Mm-hmm. What were the chances of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Fair enough. Yeah. So Amanda, when you got together with John, John had worked through some stuff, done some very hard work mm-hmm. to say, I don't want to repeat this pattern about deception or whatever you want to call it, undisclosed non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he was really open with you. How did it feel to get the message that about how he wanted to be in a relationship and that it that exclusivity wasn't the best thing for him? Yeah, I think um a lot of it just to to credit John, a lot of the work that he's done in his other relationships, I have been able to reap the benefits of because he's been nothing but incredible to me. And it really shows. And I think that it just, I just want to credit him for really doing the work. And like, we're constantly working together. Don't get me wrong. But we're doing it in a way where we can be really honest with each other. We can be open with each other. We're doing our best not to hurt each other. We know each other's stuff. I feel no like deception or, or weirdness around anything with him. So I just wanted to credit him for that. Um, but yeah, when we got together and me realizing that wasn't an option, I think that the way that I entered it specifically, I knew that already. So I was kind of like, okay, let me see what this is. It was more of like, let me try to explore what this is for myself. And then I fell in love with him after. And I was like, okay, so now we have to, okay. It's <laughs> not really just have like to a, figure this out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a little bit less of a, um, it, like I think most people tend to enter opener polyamorous relationships through monogamy first, which is what something you talk about all the time. Mm. And then have to be like, okay, let's open this. And for me, it was kind of the opposite where I dove into the deep end pretty quickly where he had already been in love with someone else. And I was entering in to that specifically. Um, And in the past, he was in a triad with two other women who were both bisexual. And for me, I was like, well, in terms of like the sexuality spectrum, I didn't necessarily feel as though I could be romantically open with a woman Mm. in that way, but I could definitely be sexually open. I can be um, like create an intimate relationship with the person in terms of like a deep friendship. Mm. And it was that kind of dynamic, especially with the long distance and then how quickly him and I fell in love. It was it was really interesting to navigate because we were figuring out like, okay, he lives with this person. Him and I are in love. Her and I are going to create a friendship. But then there's also like there was just a lot of um, navigating time. Him and I only had sex twice in five months, which was terrible for me. (laughs) Yeah, I was practicing. It was awesome for me. It was awesome for you. It was great. (laughs) I was practicing like being on dating apps and everything because that was the first time for me. So I was like, all right, let me try this out. I hooked up with a couple of people just to kind of like get my feet in the whole Mm -hmm. thing and see what it was like on my end. I was like, all right, I'm getting this. Um, But I think the hardest part of the whole process of that time period that we were in was really 
seeing myself with him in a long-term way and feeling like we were doing as much as humanly possible to figure out if we can make the configuration work. And something that I wanted to touch on is like you came into a existing relationship, so it became a, a triad. And one of the questions and like something that I talk about with my clients all the time, they're like, okay, well, we understand you and Aubrey's relationship, but how does Ricky feel or how does so-and-so feel? You know, can you touch on or explain or talk about any of the emotions that were coming up from your side coming into that relationship? Yeah. Because sometimes people talk about how when you, if you enter into a throuple, say you're the person entering, you become like a needs fulfiller for those people, right? Or sometimes the third talks about how I'm not here just to like hot up your relationship. Right. It's complicated. Right. Yeah, because they're a human too. Yeah. Um, something he taught me pretty early on in the beginning is that each person kind of serves a certain role. So the fulcrum being the one in the middle, him, has to navigate and manage and try to make sure that no one is um, – like everyone's kind of needs are taken care of in a way. And then the primary original person feels like they're getting something taken from them in a way, mm-hmm. potentially like time, energy, love, attention. Not love necessarily, but mostly time and attention. Um, well, that's the fear, right? Is that yeah. if someone's coming in and they're taking away my – I love like that's the scarcity mindset behind it right exactly yeah I mean it is time and attention but it's but he did a really good job at making sure he was he was doing enough for both and then um for me it was very like I'm not getting enough Mm -hmm. I was like well when I like went there for the first time I was like trying I was like "Can can I be all over you can I touch you and I was like trying to kind of walk on eggshells figuring out where I was able to kind of be and how to be. Okay, wait. This was the first time you visited John and his then partner. Is that yeah. what it was? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you show up. Yeah. They, they have a relationship. They have an They're apartment. Living together. They're living uh-huh. together. And you show up. The like <laughs> new girlfriend or par- new new partner. Were you all just like getting together to hang out? Or were you going to have like some dinner or set the scene? Well, how does we, that go? Where are we at? <laughs> well, we actually met up for the first time as like the three of us in L.A., Mm -hmm. Um, he came to both visit and then do like a writing workshop and then she came as well they had an Airbnb I was like I'll just go over there we got dinner I felt fine also kind of like this is so awkward I don't know I don't know how to be like I had no clue like if I could there's no rule set there's There's no roadmap for this there isn't a roadmap I'll show up and I'm like a I'm like a very affectionate person and I'm like I want to like just look you in the eyes and right. like have this deep conversation. And I was like, what do we talk? What do we do here? Ooh, it's um, cold outside right. today. We're so used to the dyad. We're outside. so used to one-on-one and the couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like creating um, intimacy through like a date, I just, yeah, I had no clue how to be. Right. And we had a couple of conversations at the LA Airbnb. Like there was one where we like all were talking about like what's hard for each of us, what's coming up for each of us. Um, which was definitely like challenging, but I was like, okay, we got some like hard conversation out of the way. And those conversations are necessary. So yeah, yeah, the whole, like, I you mean, have I to think have that's, those. that's the fun though. Those conversations, <laughs> I'm just like, this is really fucking hard. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. It's uncomfortable. Exciting. And like, it, and that's yeah. honestly like what creates a connection. And that's why right. I'm like so close with my girlfriends. A lot of them were Aubrey's yeah. lovers or or are. And so it was like, because we had to sit down and circle and talk about what is really uncomfortable mm. and why, and I don't really want you here. You know? <laughs> and like really being okay you. with like talking about that. Saying you know? that to somebody. And then that's like, it yeah. sets the tone for the relationship moving forward. Okay, we're in this together and we're like, yeah. we want to be as honest and open as possible and create 
fun because that's why yeah. we're doing this. I was just thinking of John saying, actually, that's the fun part. When I was writing my book <laughs> on True, I interviewed a lot of um, shrinks who work with truffles and quads and also mm. people in truffles and quads. And what the shrinks all said is, wow, these people who do this, they process the shit out of everything. everything. They're yeah, such good constantly. communicators. Yeah. And he's like, it just, Mark Kalp, who's in San Diego and works with ruffles and quads and people in poly configuration said, yeah, it just, people who are into polyamory love to process. And he said, so they're a psychologist's dream come true. They come yeah. in to the session like ready to work stuff through. Most <laughs> of us are not like that. Yeah. Most of us are just like, right, we're in a diet. Everything's good. Shut it down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense because the rules are already preset technically because right. you don't really have to necessarily talk about things unless something yeah. comes up. And I didn't have almost any emotional processing tools in my like previous relationship. And Okay. Um, it's I like just, moving parts, right? Like yeah. the more moving parts, the more complex the machine yeah, is. totally. And you need the language. Okay, go on. Get back to the story. Sorry. Where was the story? Y'all were sitting in the LA oh, Airbnb right. and, and I'm uncomfortable. like this, like, okay. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Really yeah. fun <laughs> conversations. Yep. John and I went outside. He was kind of like walking with my car and we made out and I was like, oh my God. Our first kiss God. was like very exciting. And Ooh. I'm like, yeah. But like there was so much sexual tension because like right. could not go any further, obviously, because yeah. she was like in the house and you know, the whole right. thing. And we're Yeah, just like figuring that out and trying to you know the this was very a very different experience for me because in all of my former relationships um whether i was in a in a dyad or you know it, it had been i was dating a woman i was always dating a woman who's bisexual like i don't i don't mm. have a lot of like hard and fast rules for life but i would say like the the firmest of them is like no straight girls that's really <laughs> just like a pretty firm rule for me because um, of like you enjoy I enjoy group sex but I think a, a big thing is when you break down polyamory to people it is a to help them understand it's really a matter of a set of needs right and so if I'm if I'm dating a woman who is bisexual I could be the greatest lover in the world I could be the best boyfriend in the world but I cannot spontaneously generate a vagina can't do it. You cannot. So, Sorry, John. Sorry, John. No, yeah, unfortunately, no. It's not within my purview. Sorry. It's not. Sometimes I have many I skills. Sometimes I wish I could generate a among, penis. But I don't blame you. They are, they're awesome. Yeah. Um, you can buy them, though. I know it's not the same. I just want to be like, poof. Oh, my God. I have a it's penis not. for the day? What Watch do I do? Watch world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine all the privilege. You could do anything. Oh, my <laughs> you God. You just get away with crimes. It would be great. Um, we would automatically be president. Yeah, you yeah, might. Like, you might. Yeah. So, One day, 24 hours. Waiting for press. Um, <laughs> that would be really me, scary. The the idea that a person inherently understands the different sets of needs. Like if if I am dating a woman who is bisexual and she is interested in being with a woman, there's nothing that I can do to fulfill that need. And so, you know, knowing mm. that, embodying that makes it easier to explain polyamory to someone to say like, as much as I love uh -huh. you, you can only ever be you. If I need novelty, you can't be new again. And certainly you can't be two people. And mm -hmm. if we want to have a group experience, we will need that other person. Uh -huh. And That's so interesting. What a <clears throat> cool way to put it. I, I just think that it's it's the most practical way to understand things. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really, you know, it, it, looking at it from my perspective, I, I identify, identify as mostly straight, which is to say that I'm like straight with a side of like, fuck it, we're here, let's go. Um, cool. But, uh, you know, in a group experience, I'm just like, whatever, let's, sure. And, but for me, it's like understanding that 
that that's not about me. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the person, whomever Amanda is with or whatever partner is with, that it's not that they're anything other than different. And sometimes it's that different is what you want. It's just mm -hmm. novelty. And um, and so the other relationships that all differed in that um, my partner and I, whoever she was, we were always dating other women together. We were always finding a third together mm -hmm. because we were uh, usually in a phase where that person was very interested in exploring their sexuality with women. And they felt safer doing that in the context of me being there, either because of the setup of the relationship mm -hmm. or uh, because they're usually submissive. And as a dom, like being able to manage that mm -hmm. uh, made them feel better. And so this was this was very different because Amanda's orientation is more certainly more straight than any of the other women I had dated, and uh, there wasn't a sort of an immediate understanding or or expectation of group sex. And so rather than a like a triangle situation, this was the first time it was really a V with me as a full fulcrum and having to. Uh, exist in, in different roles. And, and on the one hand, really, you know, be there for my existing partner and, and help her feel safe in her primacy and the love that we shared, while also experiencing the new relationship energy and the limerence and really, and, and giving Amanda what she needed in terms of time and attention. And that became the most difficult piece, partially mm. because of the distance. Mm -hmm. You know what I was just thinking of? This is so funny. But so many people think that guys who are into polyamory are doing it because they're players or pickup artists. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's like a whole discourse in the polyamory community about that. I think a lot of people who don't understand polyamory don't know how much work it is. Like hearing yeah. you talk about <laughs> it, that you you came from this place of intense commitment that you didn't want to repeat a pattern. That's a lot of work. And then talking about this fulcrum um, structure of the relationship to be that person is a lot of work. It's oh not, my God, I mean, yeah. it's not like polyamory. You're doing it to just like get a lot. No, no. I think, I think the <laughs> that's a lot of work to get a lot. Well, oh, yeah, <laughs> there so are I, easy, easier ways to just be super sexual than to oh, be polyamorous. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I, so there's a few things there. Um, firstly, I acknowledge my privilege and I'm aware that to the outside world, I live what is probably considered to be like the straight male fantasy of polyamory, particularly when I was in the triad and I was like, Hey, look at me in my you know New York city apartment with my two hot bisexual girlfriends. It's like it, but it's, it's work. So I think the biggest misunderstanding is that that, you know, and this is this is one of the things when we publicized our relationship, there was this idea that I had talked her into something or that she was doing it for me and that right. I was so reaping many people said that. all of the benefit. Whereas obviously Amanda's Amanda's free obviously to, unhappy and yeah, she's obviously like, no submitting to this. And I get that obviously. all the time still. Yeah. I'm like, dude, right. this is my choice I, too. Excuse me. <laughs> okay, maybe at the beginning, yes, I was doing it to explore it for Aubrey because mm. I also didn't Same. have the answer. I didn't know if I wanted to do it or not do it, but I knew I cheated on everyone that I was with. So there was some sort of cycle <laughs> there, there that I wanted there. to break, Yeah, right? <laughs> the other piece, I think, and this is the biggest misconception about poly, that people think polyamorous people are just fucking all the time. It, no, you're talking it's like a free for all. all the time. You're yeah. constantly talking yes. about everything. And then sometimes <laughs> just, you have enough energy left to fuck. You're just working <laughs> shit through. So and it is. <laughs> Let's sit here and talk for five hours about potentially fucking. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, wow. really, it's Maybe exactly we'll right. see if we're, like, we have uh, enough energy and even to like have communicating with like, a new oh, person takes so much time and energy. It's not oh, like, wow. hey, random person, want to come fuck us? Like, right. that's like, Although you have to like build it. I will say there, there was that in my previous relationship. There Fair was enough. a lot of like 
part of it was let's go out and pick someone up together uh -huh. and then just sort of like explain, break it down for them quickly, have a consent conversation and then fuck and then like maybe won't see them well, again. Well, it's because you yeah. guys were kind of like going out as a team right, whereas exactly. this is like, this, it's this very, is yeah. like it's a very different when you are a dyad dating a third mm -hmm. and right. that, and it's more of a thruple and maybe eventually becoming a triad uh, as opposed to an individual dating two women or two people separately. Right. That is certainly more challenging. Right. right. What are the other misconceptions that you guys are finding? Um, mm, what are people saying? What are people saying? Okay, how, what was the response to your blog post, for example? I'm always curious about, yeah. you know, what did, what did your parents say? What did your When best I told my mother say? that I was, my mom had the most Linda Romanello response of all time. My mom is like, a, <laughs> she's a character. And when I told her I was Polly, she just said, that makes so much sense for you. And then <laughs> there was a pause of literally 52 seconds. I was looking at the clock and then she just said, does that get expensive? <laughs> I was like, it does. Wow. Yes, it does. <laughs> it can get expensive. She's running the scenario. She's just like, what is the, what is it? Yeah, doesn't it? Are you, like every time you go out, are you buying three dinners? Usually, yeah. That's Usually, what's happening. Yeah. That's what's happening, mom. <laughs> uh, so my mom just really, she saw me struggle with monogamy for a long time. And she saw me yeah. deal with a lot of self-loathing. She also saw me early, in my early 20s when I, I was like the king of the loophole. I was like, I can, I'm sitting with this person whom I love and I'm sitting across from them thinking, I love you so much, but I, I just kind of want you to die so that I could be with anyone else. Oh, and, man. Uh, right, but really, that's right. a reflection of me wanting to I die. like how you were looking at me when you said that. Yeah, I'm just like, I love you <laughs> I love you, so Wednesday. No, I was focused on the wanting you to die. <laughs> I'm just, I love you so much, but I want to be anywhere with anyone else. And okay. so I was king of the loophole. And so I would be like, I'm going to pick a fight. And we oh, would break okay. up for three days and I would sleep with four people. And I'm like, that wasn't cheating. That's we were how, on a break. That's, that's how you were doing your acting that out. That was, oh yeah, like all sorts, just for absolutely What, what if you had shit. never figured that out? Oh, you would be like yeah. 60 years old. And then old, also society tells and you repeating. you're like a cute, like the monster of the world. Right. The worst yeah. possible thing yeah. you can do, which is right. insane. Yeah. So there was. And there. then you come out about being Polly and you're also the monster of the world. Of course. Yes. <laughs> I, a few I, people. Again, <laughs> I, I really always do my best to acknowledge my privilege. And I will say that the response to me being Polly has been fine. People are just like, you know, I've had pretty sexualized content forever and people are just like, okay, good looking New York guy. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. You know, just bangs a lot of broads. I'm like, that is not it at That's all. That's not please, what's happening. Please stop. But please their, stop. their perception of that. Um, I, I don't get a ton of pushback historically. I think guys who are poly get a lot of like, from people who don't understand how much work it is, get a lot of yeah. like, ooh, dude, you're getting it, yeah. right? Like yeah. sometimes on like, Aubrey's dude, you, IG, they'll be like, oh man, you're the man. And yeah. it's like, but then he also, you're also gets the like, communicator. Your, your girl is, yeah, yeah. you're a cuck. cuck, or your girl's just fucking a bunch of dudes, bro. How do you feel about right. that? And right. like, but I like on my end of things, I actually get a lot of love, which is that's great. I yeah. very rarely get, get someone that no, not really. That's good. Every once in a while, I'll put like I got one person shamed in my one post. person here or there. But like, I don't know if it's just because I do talk about how fucking hard it is for me and yeah. how awesome it is for me at the same time. Like I'm pretty open mm, about both yeah. sides, so maybe people are like, oh. Yeah, she like does cry on, in the like, corner by herself. Then I feel that's like it depends okay. on like the yeah. entry point that they yeah, have. Their to entry as point well. to you, like it's your your platform has grown concomitant with your conversation about Polly, whereas mm. your platform was 
very existent. Not sexualized at all. And at it was all. like a complete, and yeah. it was just whoa, this, what yeah. is she talking about? I want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about like, how people there, there's still, There are people who that. think she's still with her ex because they, they had a, Let's you find know. some comments. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> and, would be good. And I want to know what, how your parent, what, how your parents reacted, how yeah. business associates reacted, because it was a very brave, bold step. Yeah, honestly, for me, my um, my like friends and family were really just trying to make sure that I was happy. Mm-hmm. I think that I've always been pretty open about what um, I'm experiencing. Like I've always been very authentic with my experiences, and I think what people know about me who are close to me is that I'm very self-aware and I'm constantly trying to understand: is this like I- I'm not really historically a person that just makes a bunch of decisions and then says, oh, fuck, that was a huge mistake. Like, I'm pretty calculated with (laughs) – I I, I think that I'm pretty calculated with most of my decisions that I make. So most of the people in my life trust me to make pretty good decisions. So they were like, are you happy? Okay, cool. And they didn't really have a huge problem with it. Um, I think if, like, if there's, like, a pushback to this or there's something that challenges you about – someone's relationship ask yourself why Mm. why is it why does my relationship bring up any sort of emotion or contradiction or like challenging you yeah you know and just get curious about that i think that there's so much about asking those questions that seems natural to people like me and people like you guys who are who who are just I, i would say ideologically liberal and you know, having grown up in the era of really aggressively pushing for queer rights and particularly as we're recording mm-hmm. this in Pride Month, yeah. I have mm-hmm. never understood why, like, what anyone does in their bedroom, if, like, I don't care who you fuck. Like, I can't, I can't right. possibly imagine, like, imagine for a moment having your shit so together <laughs> that you have time to worry about where other people put their dick. Like I, I have real fucking problems in my own life that I need that I have been avoiding for years. I don't have time to worry about that. That is crazy. That is absurd. Marry whoever you want. I am for marriage equality and especially divorce equality. Right. Everyone has the right to be equally unhappy or happy if you can, if you can get there. If, if you can you find can make it, that happen. please get there. I, it's amazing to me the and things that yeah. people politicize, like mm. you know, like like trans individuals in thing. bathrooms. Like we are, right. we are having massive political people uprisings over where people can that. poop. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> For most of human history, and, we have done yeah. this outside. <laughs> and the extension of that is can be really sinister. The extension of that thinking, like in terms of caring what women do with their bodies, what we're seeing now with all the rollbacks of reproductive Mm -hmm. rights. It's all kind of a spectrum, caring what people Mm -hmm. do in bed, caring where people go to the bathroom, who gets to use what bathroom, controlling whether women give birth or not. It's all kind of connected. Yeah, people really want to create like a right and wrong scenario where it's like we have to have correct and incorrect or else there will be an uproar. I mean, and I it's think it's insane. it's easier for people to exist in the world when there is a binary and they're just like, okay, this yeah, is okay, yeah, this, this is, is not. Yeah, this is simple for me. Uh, yeah, I don't that, have to. So okay, have so, to process it. so speaking of correct, mm. incorrect, mm. think, are you going to mm-hmm. read some of the Finds comments it, that you got? Comments. I will say that her family has been incredibly welcoming to me. She, uh, when she entered in, I was with someone else and her, her family had questions about that. What does it look like, et cetera. And then once that, partnership ended uh so that was like a y'all transitioned that partnership and then actually ended our relationship um in large part because it had become too difficult for my then partner okay and then Mm -hmm. that relationship ended uh sort of of its own accord Mm -hmm. you know and i think that um that was very that that was hard on all counts it was very very difficult on me um having having this end 
and sort of needing to distance myself from it and to like prioritize this other relationship, which then ended anyway. And um, it, on on the one hand, it was incredibly difficult, but I am I am of the mind that I like to leave everything on the field. And if this relationship, you know, the the, the one between my exist my former partner and I, had ended without. Amanda and I taking the break, there would always be something living in my head that like th this had been killed by this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm glad that that happened. So there, there was this separation between Amanda and I where I prioritized this other partnership, which then ended. And then we, we came back together uh, right around the holidays. Mm -hmm. And and how was that for you, Amanda? It was like the most challenging thing. Yeah. I, had to, I was like fully in love with him. And I was like, I have to detach for this. But I fully understood um, because of all the hard conversations we were having, mm -hmm. I also understood that I didn't want to be the impetus or the person that came between the two of them. Right. So I tried to be in the whole thing as non-biased as possible. And she we was were very supportive of both mm -hmm. of us. And and your and your ex-partner as well was very like supportive of trying to figure it all out. But we got to a point where it didn't seem as though we could really figure it all out. And the thing that made the most sense logically, emotionally, it made no sense to me. <laughs> but logically, it made more sense because they were already living together. I was across the country. I was like, you know what? Why don't you guys just try this for now and see how it goes without me? Mm -hmm. It was it was so hard. Yeah, and then transitioning into this partner, her, everyone in her life has been super accepting, and you know they have questions, but nothing nothing that makes me feel judged or yeah. uh, or in any way slighted. It's all just curiosity and right. and, and respect. That's mm -hmm. great, and I think that's a, something that people do realize a lot of the times when they're coming out or they're talking about their relationship that it can actually deepen the connections that you have with people in your life like your family or your you friends or them. whoever you get to tell them because you're like this is like <laughs> you get to yeah yeah wow. but this is like just imagine this is who I all. am you know and I want you to be closer I want you to know who I am because I care about you mm. and so it's like if somebody in your life is talking about this type of relationship just get curious and like if they're happy then feel free to ask questions but don't judge it's just like mm. this mm. is their relationship you know, imagine not if we yours. judged um, heterosexual monogamists. Yeah, because until until wow, the, until the early nineteen hundreds, <laughs> right? Um, heterosexuality was considered almost a pathology. Right? It was mm -hmm. like an unnatural focus on heterosexual intercourse until the nineteen hundreds. Mm -hmm. Imagine if we judged monogamists the way we do poly people, or if we came from the presumption that there must be something pathological going on. And, and, and just like just like mom, why? So why have you been married for fifty years? <laughs> what? What are you getting are out you of okay? that? Are yeah. you are you sure that you're happy? Yeah. I think that was actually something that like hit me the most in the comments. I was reading through an overwhelming response was like, wow, this is really amazing to see. Thank you for sharing this. It was super interesting. Mm. So that was like mm -hmm. absolutely the overwhelming response. It was hard to find right. things and pressing the load more comments button. Um, <laughs> okay. But I think one of the main things that I saw from people were, were them assuming that there must be something deeply wrong with me, that I must be so far outside of myself to accept mm. this as my new reality when the truth was I'm actually so connected to myself to accept this as my reality. Mm, so right. it's either that people assume that it's completely the opposite of what it actually is, which I think is a cool um, like pendulum of, of two extremes where you're so disconnected mm. that you're just accepting something and resigning almost to whatever it is that you want. And you're just like so blindly in love with someone that you're just going to do whatever. And right. the truth is that I am so in love with myself that I will go through the rings of fire to figure out how I can grow, how I can be better, how I can be a better partner, better for myself. And I think that um, a lot of people don't have 
the understanding of what that actually means and how to really do that for themselves. Mm. So I think the projection is you must be so fucked up. Yeah. 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 You know what surprised me a lot when I was writing on True and interviewing people like Whitney and like you guys? Mm-hmm. I was surprised by how many, in your case, men initiated the polyamorous configuration, but I was surprised by how many women do it. Mm-hmm. And that when I interviewed experts, they said, actually, it's mostly what I see in my practice is it's mostly women coming in and saying, I want to change this up. It's women saying, I'd yeah. like to be in a polyamorous Same for thing my clients. or an open. It's you see that too. Yeah, absolutely. In your I get a few men here and there, but a lot of the time it's women being like, okay, I've been with my husband for X amount of years. We have so many kids and blah, 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 blah. And I'm really interested in being in an open relationship or at least having the conversation or I want to just have sex with somebody else. And like, they just want something different. And most of the time it's women. And yet we come from this mindset that these women Mm. must be brainwashed by these horny men. And it's because we don't understand your work. And I think that your, your book and your talk that you gave at Whitney's event, I was, it was, really amazing for not just me to see, but for so many other women to realize like, oh yeah, like that's actually something that I, if I can trace it back, I do have that in my awareness. And I think that we shut it down. We should probably shut it down from yeah. the stigma. But you know, it's it's really interesting that women are the relationship revolutionaries mm-hmm. statistically more of the time. And yet we're like pointing fingers at men and blaming them. And yeah. it's- And now I think the conversation is getting bigger though. Like as pleasure- yeah gets bigger as women yeah. are like, mm. you know, bringing their own sovereignty into their hands and like wanting to stand up for that. And it's becoming like a, a main focus for us. It is. Yeah. Okay. I have a question mm. for the two of you. So it seems like usually what you're comfortable with is you guys have this V configuration with you're at the fulcrum as you, I like that metaphor because it, it gets to the weightiness of it and how important it is and Mm -hmm. that this is a structural thing. Do you guys ever think about or talk about Amanda having a new partner who's a man? What would that be like? Is that all the time? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Explain our current setup. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I don't don't want to mansplain your, your experience of the relationship. It's not Um, mansplaining when we ask you, John. It's the factual (laughs) pieces of the current setup. Our, our, um, Current setup, I guess, would be most adequately described as um, partnered non-monogamy in that we have a a, a very structured and, and uh, real partnership in which we are dedicated to the growth of the relationship and having a future together. We, I think that a lot, that's a, that's a great entry point for so many people who are getting into non-monogamy and polyamory because it's the idea, it's the last fantasy that this is going to remain special and that the other people um, will come in and it feels hierarchical, be, but that is mostly familiarity and experience and we have a longer history together. And then one of the, the biggest takeaways we got from the event that you two ran and, and particularly you sharing your experience, Whitney, was that... Uh, at some point, someone is going to come along and fuck all that up and in, in the most beautiful yep. way. And someone's going to come <laughs> yeah. along. And, and so, you know, like we are really reveling in our love and, and you know, both the, the growth of it and the newness of it and the pieces of it that are feeling older and familiar with the sort of acknowledgement that at some point um, – the more experiences we have with the more people that that we have them with whom we have them, uh, one of those people might stand taller than the others in terms of our connection mm. to them, mm-hmm. either individually or concurrently. And we are uh, dating other people. My I date a lot of other people in New York for uh, more more so than Amanda does, primarily because 
for me, polyamory is also an experience of um, socializing. And most of the people with whom I'm like close friends in New York, the, the guys I grew up with, they're married and lame and they don't like, they all live in Westchester and they're not in the city anymore. Like I don't have people to hang out with. And it's much uh, easier for me yeah, yeah. to find women who are interested in going on dates than it is to find like people who were just interested in seeing a movie. And so for me, right. my experience of polyamory is also like building a community of people and mm -hmm. sex is on the table. It's, it's not always the objective, but it's always an option. And for Amanda, it's, you know, like, there, there have to, has to be a greater connection for her to spend any time with someone. Whereas I'm like, yeah, I'll go on a date with this person. I'm always swiping. I'm on apps all the time because I have more time to fill because I am looking to spend time with people and have connections with them. You know, I hadn't even thought about how this one level of the fact that the world is set up basically for straight, monogamous, heterosexual dyads, that even socializing, mm. you guys probably have a lot of friends who are monogamous and straight and in a dyad. And I wonder if even looking at you is sort of exciting and threatening and difficult for them Possibly. to your point or just also the demographics of it. Like a lot of your peers mm -hmm. are in a couple yeah. and that's just yeah. different. The, it is. You're yeah. doing and something different. You know, at, at 37, um, most of the people with whom I grew up, they have other responsibilities. They have children now and they're not available to go out and grab drinks on a Wednesday night. Right. And the people with whom I do spend time have that availability and, and whether that's age or just circumstance. And so um, that is, that's sort of my experience of it. It's very social. I am very open to connection with new people. And um, there is the opportunity for those connections to grow and for that to eventually germinate into a a, a relationship of some mm -hmm. sort of more significant structure that we might call it a partnership more akin to what Amanda and right. I have. And I think a huge part of what I've understood about how we've had these conversations together as a couple of what we're both kind of interested in, it has a lot to do with the socialization aspect of it. And I think how each individual person interacts with the world in terms of like mm -hmm. how many people they want to be talking to every single week, whether it's friends, whether it's business, whether it's dating. And John is a very social person and loves meeting new people and talking to new new people constantly. And for me, I'm, I love meeting new people, but I'm definitely more of like historically, even with friendships, I'm definitely more of like a one or two people. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple of acquaintances and I see people every so often, but I do like to have alone time and I like to kind of relax. Mm. And if I'm busy, I'm not always like constantly looking for new connections to make. So mm -hmm. I think for me, um, I dated quite a bit in the time where he had his partner in New York and, and I was trying to figure everything out. And in this current moment, I'm not super interested in like having lots of conversations with new people and dating, but I really enjoy having the option. And I feel like um, your experience, you've said initially in the beginning was mostly for Aubrey. And then for you, something, things have come along over time. Right. And I think seeing our long-term, like the, we have plans to be together for however long we we want to be. And I see for me the long term of that. I'm like, I definitely see that someone could, or could organically come in the picture potentially. And I'm glad to have that opportunity to keep it open. Right. But I'm also interested. We also like, try to form group sex experiences together every so often. Um, but I'm also not upset or I don't feel like an imbalance by any means that he's currently like dating a couple of people and I it doesn't create any turmoil for me in any way because I'm solid with my experience of what I want in terms of 
dating new people or seeing new people. Yeah, that's super important to touch on too because I think like a lot of people think that if one partner's doing it one way, you have to do it the mm. same way. Like you start to compare your experiences with one another and yep. you just can't. Like you said, like people go through their world and their lives differently mm. just like they yeah. would with dating. And they have different personalities mm -hmm. and different yeah. attachment styles, Absolutely. right? So it's not going to be the same. For me, the big thing would be um, I, I don't, want any real compartmentalization uh so we that was a question that we we got um oh yeah we can answer recently. some of these questions if you oh yeah let's yeah. answer and some so questions the big thing for me is like if if amanda starts dating someone even semi-seriously like i want to know this dude i want to like hang out let's like yes cool let's go like do bro stuff and like it, i i think in an ideal world there will be enough shared interest in things outside of Amanda that we can have some sort of relationship. And, and you know, one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen in my entire life was Aubrey's post on uh, about Ricky on his birthday. Mm. And I was just like, that is, I mean, firstly, the amount of work that goes into that, I do not want to discount. You Aubrey has been, oh, I definitely, I am sometimes not crying is really where I am at. <laughs> um, but I love that. The, uh, the amount I don't I don't want to discount the amount of work Aubrey's done to get to that point where he can experience that and share that and the amount of work he does publicly on him like it is is truly inspiring. But let me tell you that what actually inspired really both of us was your post about coming out about the open relationship. I didn't really speak very I hadn't spoken too much about Ricky at all, nor had I posted him on social wow. because I yeah. was I didn't for me, I can put myself out there in my own shit and I'll yeah. take it. But yeah. like what's hard for me is social attacking somebody that I love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where like the fucking tiger comes out. I'm like, oh really? Oh really? Fuck At you. Tom blah blah blah. You know? We have one um, that hates us. Yeah, but that was just so cool because I, I was like, you know what, Bless you. this is like my, I have been with Ricky now for like a year and at that point it was almost a year, you know, and I was like, this is something that I need to share because this is that. my life. So like, no. we inspired each other. Yes, thank you for yeah. that. Thank and, you. Yeah. So let's hear the questions. Yeah. The, we oh, have the, about I'm, five minutes. Okay. I'm going to, so the biggest question, the most ridiculous question that I've gotten to date. <laughs> Ooh, this great. Is, the absolute most ridiculous questions about you, Whitney. So we didn't get this one this time. We got it last time. Awesome. And it was, have you and Aubrey swapped partners yet? And <laughs> and so the way that I- didn't I think about that for a second. I was like- Yeah. So yeah, he, this question was directed to me. Have you and Aubrey swapped partners yet? And I just wanted to bring that out and address it because I really am, am, am committed to- combating any sort of internalized misogyny that is inherent in viewing this. And the idea of swapping yeah. partners, it's like, they're not bicycles. It's We're such not a male-centric question. It, it, so it, really, it was from a guy yeah. and I, I really like laid into him and I was like, these people- The real question is have Whitney and I swap partners? <laughs> hey. It was more, you know, it was an opportunity for me to educate this guy about uh, firstly, like everybody has agency. There's no, it's not like we're trading baseball cards right. or by, and <laughs> yeah. it Pokemon was such cards. an interesting thing that I yeah. think there's a lot of assumption built into it. One, that everybody in the poly community is like has open to sleeping with, with each other. other. Right. But it also, it also really for me sort of identified like where there is a boundary there, like openness to new partners is always there, but there is some stuff that's like, oh, this is, this is my friend's partner. There's like a whole other level of work to be done in any regard that, that even considers people as sexual options that I think that 
um, people who are not poly, people who are just looking at this from the outside, don't realize the amount of introspection that goes into mm. those considerations. Right. Mm. And so firstly, I just wanted to, to put that out there to like- Yeah, to that's, say, an, that's this, such an old paradigm, wife swapping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's like the final frontier of poly. It's like the last people I want to sleep with is my, like, I don't want to complicate existing relationships with that stuff unless everybody is like, we, we've all done the work together. Like that's all, that's a whole other thing. And uh, for me, the idea that you just sleep with your friends, partners is, is like, that's, that's, we don't do that. Yeah. That this know? is all in the service of the male libido. Right. right. And Hardly. so that was, that was the big Obviously. thing. Okay. So fascinating question yeah. for what Other it shows I'll us. I'll let Amanda pick here. There, this oh, is, boy. Uh, you can swipe through. Oh, there's so many. You probably have some more. Um, I can't answer that. No, we have not swapped partners. Yes, that was that. <laughs> I have not solely slept with one of his girlfriends, and he has not slept with Ricky. It was so, <laughs> so funny when we did the presentation in Austin, or we had that fun night, and one mm -hmm. of the questions from the audience was, was, was about whether you had slept with Aubrey. And it's oh, like, yeah. what? That's and your answer, like, your I answer did that, was great. I did that whole presentation, and Whitney did her whole <laughs> cool thing, and the question is whether Aubrey has like nailed me yet. What? <laughs> People are so interested in the intricacies of like, yeah, they want what the, are they the want details? The yeah. Why did Do you they not use protection? It? Have you gone to get yourself checked? Like, that was some of the questions. That's the that other thing is like safe sex. Safe sex is a big thing that everyone talks about. How do you remain, how do you not have an STD? With, since you're in a polyamorous relationship. Oh, yeah. Because we Listen, I am way more <laughs> safe now than I ever was single when you were Fair just enough. like, oh, this is a commitment, so no Right, because no now protection. it's like, this right. doesn't only affect me, it affects my relationship and it affects anyone that they're sleeping with. And right. That, like, it becomes like a practice. Yeah, it's a serious obligation. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the questions that I think is a good to wrap up, because we only yes. have a couple minutes, is um, will we stay poly long term? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good mm -hmm. question because then people consider like, well, is this going to be forever? Is this a long term thing? Are you going to mm -hmm. like end it if you get a new partner and you guys mm -hmm. break up? And we actually just talked about this this morning. And I love um, John's perspective of it as a spectrum of like you you're oriented to to one or the other on a, on a on a spectrum and you're either conditioned to one end or the other and i think for me as i've been experiencing this over the last year or so i had no i think i was on the more monogamous end of the spectrum for a really long mm -hmm. time and i didn't have the needs or the the cheating or anything like that as much but i'm also young and i haven't had as much relationship experience but Either way, over the year that I've been learning about myself, I've really kind of solidified, like, I, I would take this into a new relationship if, if him and I ended up breaking up for some reason. And I actually wrote that in the article where I was able to come to this understanding where that period where him and I had to end things mm -hmm. and I had to detach and he was trying to figure things out with his ex. I, I was thinking to myself, would I actually take this into something else? Would I, like, identify as this? And the answer was really yes. And it really just, um, it's it's been giving me so much. I've been growing so much as a person through mm. it. And I really think that the whole alignment to open and polyamory is really beautiful. And I think that it doesn't always mean you have to be actively with mm. new people or actively dating. And like, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that the options open and we're ready to talk about whatever's true for us at any given moment. Mm. It, it's so interesting. I was just thinking about Neil Gaiman and Amanda Burden and how they talked about being in a polyamorous relationship. And then when they had a child, they decided not to be polyamorous for a while. And it changes, right? It's it not changes. like you're saying, it's not like, I think one of the reasons people feel so threatened by it is that you're saying, this is for, 
this is the best thing for everybody and yeah. this is and for forever, forever and always. right? Because That's what I always say. It, it, it changes. It's like right now I'm in a polyamorous relationship. Maybe next year I'll be monogamous. I don't know. And that's like something that we have the ability to create our own relationship. It's like exactly what right. you're saying and exactly what you're saying. You know, like, let's just figure out at whatever life phase that you're in what feels right for you and your partner at that time. Right. It's it's a lot of it is is navigating practicality and pragmatism mm-hmm. for me. And personally, like I identify as a polyamorous person. I, if I am dating only one person, I'm still polyamorous. If I were bisexual and I were dating a woman, I wouldn't just be straight. Mm-hmm. I would just be in a relationship mm-hmm. with a woman. Right. And when you look at it from that perspective, it becomes very easy to see that it's really a matter of circumstance. Somebody asked, would you be monogamous if your partner really wanted to? Like if there were a reason to, if there were a child or if, if life commitments came up to the extent that there was simply no time, energy, or, or real uh, necessity to involve other people or to date other people, then things naturally contract for a right. while. But as things opened up again, there would be the opportunity to add that back in. And it's so interesting that Amanda, not expecting this when she stepped into it, says, if I were in a different relationship, I would carry this with me and I would try this again. Mm-hmm. Just shows how flexible we can be, which is never ceases to amaze me. No. I just love it. And, and I, I respect it. I just applaud it. you guys, too, for like mm-hmm. talking about it and coming out about it and like really just giving people another perspective. Because I know when, you. when y'all talked about it, I was in the car with Ab when you made your post, and I was like, yes, it's not just us anymore. We have friends. We have friends. We need a community. Community is so important. Yeah, because it's amazing. So thank you guys so, so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for setting the precedent. Oh, thanks. Where where can people who want to learn more about you find you? Um, I'm usually on Instagram at Amanda Bucci. So just follow me on there and you can find all of my stuff. I'm talking about business, sometimes relationships, lots of spirituality stuff. I'm in spiritual psychology school right now, which is really fun. So check me out there. I am also on the internet at John Romanello. <laughs> the um, webs. I, I'm on the webs. I will, uh, yeah, so I'm, I mostly talk about business and writing and communication. I am aggressively judging your grammar at all times. So please, when you DM me, know that I will screenshot and send it to all of my friends when you fuck up. Oh my God, that <laughs> terrifies me. I'm like, oh. I kid, I kid. Not, not you. Never mind. Other, yeah. Thank you guys for being here today. I'm amazed at um, what you've pulled off and- I want to thank you for just setting an inspiring example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love Thanks it. Thanks to the both of love you. Love it. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us, mm-hmm. truly. Much love. <laughs>